chapter 10, 2 Chronicles, and chapter number 10. Second Chronicles in chapter number 10. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. We're going we're gonna to try to make it through three chapters tonight. Three whole chapters of Second Chronicles. But I am normally a very short-winded preacher, so we'll see how this goes. But we're gonna, um, tonight we're going to be covering the entire reign of Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son during his reign. Many things that affected the rest of the nation of Israel for their existence happened during his reign. And we're going to begin in verse, actually, 31 of chapter 9, read into chapter 10, and kind of skip through the chapters just to get an overview, and then we're going to get started. The Bible says in verse number 31 of chapter 9, And Solomon slept with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David his father, and Rehoboam his son reigned in his stead. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. And it came to pass when Rehoboam, when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was in Egypt, whither he had fled from the presence of Solomon the king, heard it, that Jeroboam returned out of Egypt. And they sent and called him. So Jeroboam and all Israel came and spake to Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of thy father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Come again unto me after three days. And the people departed. We'll skip down to verse number 16. And when all Israel saw that the king would not hearken unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? And we have none inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to your tents, O Israel. And now, David, see to thine own house. So all Israel went to their tents. But as for the children of Israel that dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Hadaram that was over the tribute, and the children of Israel stoned him with stones that he died. But King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot and to flee to Jerusalem. And Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Let's go ahead and skip down to chapter number 12. Chapter number 12 and verse number 1. And it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. And it came to pass that in the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord with twelve hundred chariots and threescore thousand horsemen and the people were without number that came up with him out of Egypt, the Lubims and then all the different, and the Sukiims and the Ethiopians. And he took the fenced cities which pertained to Judah and came to Jerusalem. And we'll skip down to verse number 13 there. And this is kind of a synopsis of the reign of kings. So King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. For Rehoboam was one and forty-one years old when he began to reign. And he reigned seventeen years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord had chosen out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Nama and Ammonitus. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to open up your word. And we thank you also that you put 
these stories in your word, Lord, so that we could learn from them and that you could teach us and challenge us today. I pray that you would do that through your word tonight and that we could learn how you would like us to live and want us to live, Lord, so that you can truly use us and bless us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How did I end up here? How did we end up here? How many times have you asked that question during this presidential election? How on earth did we end up with these choices for the president of the United States? How on earth did we end up here? Or how many people across this city woke up with a hangover from a drug-induced stupor and they look at themselves when they wake up in the morning with the headache, with the results of their sin and say, how did I end up here? This wasn't what I had planned for my life. How did I end up here? Or there's the other. We can look at it the other way. Somebody may be sitting in church tonight who before they had that in their past, where they had woken up from being addicted to alcohol or whatever, and they say they can look at themselves now sitting in church and serving God and saying, how did I end up here? How did I come from there and end up here to where now I have a wonderful family serving the Lord? Or now I have the peace and joy that I never had serving the world. I have it now serving the Lord. You can ask it either way. There's some people who are at the end of themselves have nothing left to live for, and they say, how did I end up here? How did I reach this point of just um, at the end of myself, at the end of my rope, where I can't go down anymore? How on earth did I end up here? This wasn't what I had planned. Somebody else may look at their life, like I just said earlier, and say, how on earth did I end up where I have God's blessings on my life? Because I look at my life, and I know I don't deserve it, I know it wasn't just because I am a great person that I have God's blessings on my life or that I am just um, so capable of making my own decisions that I reach this point to where I can look and say, how did I end up here where I can obviously see God has blessed my life and is moving me in a place where I can say, praise the Lord for where I am today. Well, I can say... People have ended up where they are today, either place because of choices they have made. Either choices to stop serving themselves and to submit to God through salvation and be saved. And now they can begin to see God working in their lives as they obey and make choices to follow what God has said in His Word. Each and every day they can begin to see. And suddenly they reach a point and say, wow, at this point, ten years ago, I would have never told you that I'd be sitting in church three times a week listening to the preaching. Or however many, I would never have said, how did I end up here? Well, it's because of some choices I made where I submitted to what God's word says. And now I'm following God's word and obeying it. And suddenly I'm here. The same is true of someone who's at the other end of the spectrum. And they say, this wasn't what I had planned for my life. I had big plans. I was going to own my own company. I was going to do whatever you want to put in there. I was going to be a successful businessman. I was going to have a wonderful family. And now... Whatever you want to put in there. How did I end up here? Well, I can go back however many years ago to some choices I made to where I rejected some counsel that I was given. Or I began to seek my own way over what I knew was right. The suffering or the blessings that you experience in life are the result of choices you and I have made. 
And we find the children of Israel in this text, where we find them as a result of choices they have made for many years. Because the book of first and, the books of first and second chronicles were written together, and they were written for the children of Israel as they were coming out of the Babylonian captivity. You see, the children of Israel, because of their sin, because of their constant rebellion against God, had been removed from the land of Israel and taken to Babylon. Now, after a 70-year captivity, and then some stayed there longer in Babylon, they were beginning to come back into the land of Israel, which God had promised them. And they rebuilt the temple. And then they began to rebuild the walls around them. And that is the time, from the best we can tell from history, that is the time when the books of Second Chronicles were written, First and Second Chronicles were written. And see, God wanted them to remember why they had to come back to the land. How they had ended up where they were. He wanted the children of Israel to know why they had had God's judgment on them. He wanted them to know why in the past they had had God's blessings on them. He was like, this God was telling them through the prophets who wrote out these words and rehearsing the history of Israel for them. He's saying, you ended up in Babylon because of some decisions you've made. You are coming back to the land and now it's once again, you're going to have to make some decisions... You're going to have to make some decisions on what my word has said that's going to dictate where you're going to go from here. God wanted them to know how not to repeat the same mistakes. It's football season. What is tomorrow for the teams who play today? It's film room day. They're going to go into the film room and they're going to sit there with their coach and their coach is going to go through the different the different plays that they ran. And he said, you see what you did on this play? Look at that. That is not what you're supposed to do. This is why this play failed. This is why we didn't win the game. And he's going to show it to him. And he's going to freeze the frame and say, you missed your block there. Or you didn't run it there. Tomorrow's film day. And that coach is going to be dead honest with them on why they did or did not win that game. That's what God is doing with the scripture. He's saying, let's go back. Let's see why you ended up where you ended up. Let's see why the results are there so that we can, you can make better decisions today because of what you know led you there, because of what the decisions you made yesterday. Let's not repeat the same mistakes. You see, God has taken back the kingdoms of David and Solomon up leading up to this point. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. The kingdom of David, he took over after King Saul. For those of you who aren't completely aware, just really briefly, King Saul had been a terrible reign. The, um, Israel had been under constant oppression from the Philistines, ending in Saul's death in a battle where the Philistines came and had completely defeated Israel. And just it was a terrible time in Israel's history. And then God brought in David as the king. And there began to be a 70-year period there with the combined reign of David and Solomon, where there was victory in the land. There was blessings. The kingdom of Israel expanded in both size, in people, in wealth. It was expanding. And by the time Solomon was the king, all the world was coming to see Solomon and was bringing gifts. It was a great time of blessings. And then Rehoboam takes over. And God is reminding them, this is what happened. And so, at the end of Solomon's reign, Solomon had begun... To live life his own way. He had rejected the things that God had taught him. He was the wisest man in the Bible. And yet he still 
chose his own way. Because he wanted to see everything the world had to offer. And some of that got passed on to his son. In chapter number 10, at the beginning, Rehoboam is crowned king. This was the greatest triumph in his life up to this point. He had finally come. Best we know, Solomon had reigned 40 years. And at this time, we find out at the end of chapter number 12, that Rehoboam was 41 years old when he was crowned king of Israel. That means he would have been one years old when his dad was crowned king. That means he had lived and been aware of much of the time that his dad was reigning over Israel. He was probably about 12 years old, from the best we could tell. He was 12 years old when Solomon dedicated the temple. And, the be- and just the wonderful time it was, he would have seen the Shekinah glory of God fill the temple and seen the worship of God go on. It had been, he had been waiting his whole life for his time to be the king of Israel. He had seen his father reign. He had seen the peace and the prosperity that God had given his people. And he grew up and he was like, it's going to be my turn to have this. And he came in, maybe a little bit cocky. He sees all Israel coming to make him king. And he's like, it's finally come. My big day. I'm going to be king now. And he's 41 years old. And he's finally the king. And all Israel, this was the continuation of the covenant God had made David. It was something that was very exciting. It was something he was just had been waiting for and expecting. Rehoboam, I'm the next king of Israel. I'm the king of all Israel. I am finally the king. Yet we do not find the heart of David expressed in his coronation. Never once when the Bible, the two times that the Bible records Rehoboam as being crowned king, we don't find him praying like Solomon did for the wisdom and the understanding of God. We don't find that in the Scriptures. We don't find a record. Now, he may have done it, but it wasn't important enough that he that is recorded that he began his kingdom with sacrifices to God. That's not found in Scripture. It was, I'm king. I'm finally king. And yet, through all the excitement, through all the, um, the pomp and circumstance that was going on with him being crowned the king of Israel, with the massive amounts of wealth that Solomon had accumulated in the kingdom... Israel was a powerful kingdom at this time. They had known peace. People were afraid to attack them. They had a great army. They were fortified. It was a good time in Israel's history. But his coronation is quickly soured by, the, by a delegation from the ten northern tribes. There was twelve tribes of Israel. And a delegation led by Jeroboam, who Rehoboam would have known about Jeroboam. He would have been exiled by his father, for trying to start a rebellion. And here comes Jeroboam with a delegation from the ten tribes and delivers an ultimatum. Really, he gives a command to the new king. He's telling the new king. Look what he says. He says, Thy father made, thy, made our yoke grievous. Now therefore, ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of thy father and his heavy yoke that he put upon us, and we will serve thee. He says, if you want us to be part of your new kingdom that you have, if you want us to be part of this, 
you're going to have to make some changes. Because your father did some things that weren't right. Now, this implies that Solomon wasn't the best king. That Solomon had made some bad choices, right? If he's coming complaining about what Solomon has done, that means Solomon had made some choices in his latter time when he hadn't been serving God that were wrong. He had begun in his, as he began to serve other gods, he had begun to oppress some of the northern tribes of Israel. And there was, taxes were raised. And there was forced labor. That's what he says. Like, your father began to make things very hard on us. And Jeroboam, that's almost a slap in the face. He says, your dad didn't do things right. Now, you're going to do things right and we'll be okay. You better do things right. To a brand new king, that isn't what you want to hear. Your first day on the job as the new boss, you don't want to have the, the, this other person come and says, well, if you're going to be the boss, this and this and this is what you're going to have to do, or you're not going to be my boss. I'm going to, I'm going to just... That, that doesn't bode well. That, doesn't, that isn't a comfortable feeling as king. It kind of sours the attitude there a little bit. And so, Saul, so Rehoboam, up to the time, he says, I'm going to be king, I'm going to be king. He hadn't been thinking about the fact that there was some dissension going on in the kingdom. Because he has to stop and think about it. He says, okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Give me three days to think about it, get some counsel, and we'll answer you. They're fine with that. They say, okay, we'll come back at the day appointed. And Rehoboam begins to ask the old men, the counselors that had been with Solomon, and say, what would you have me to do? They tell him, submit to the people. Be humble. Give them what they want and they will serve you. You can preserve your kingdom if you'll just be humble about it. So then Rehoboam comes over and asks his, the guys who grew up with him. The, um, the young men in the kingdom who'd seen the glory of Solomon's kingdom but hadn't necessarily been around the counselors of David as these older men had. And they say, listen, you're the king now. You can do anything you want. In fact, you can be bigger and better. There's a better you in you. You can be better than your father. Tell him how big and strong you are because you're the king. Nobody can, don't let him talk to you like that. You're a big king. You're a big boy now. Don't let him talk to you. Don't listen to those old fogies. So Rehoboam, confident in his new kingly robes, sits on his throne and you think my father was big? Ha ha. I'm going to be bigger. And with days, within days of him being the king, he loses 85, almost 85% of his kingdom. Within days of him being king, he sees everything David and Solomon have worked for, his fathers has worked for, destroyed. To a point. He sees the northern king split off, and he's left with two of the twelve tribes. So, being the new king, there's a rebellion. They're trying to test my authority. I'm going to put down this rebellion. So he begins to call his army together. And we could go through all the verses and read it. I'm just kind of um, going through a synopsis a little bit, moving through the story so we can get to the end. And God tells him, no, don't do it. You cannot fight against your people because this, because of the foolish decisions of your father, this is, this is, going to happen. Now, could have Rehoboam stopped it? For a time, probably. Eventually, there would have been a split. But the split didn't need to be this way. 
The split didn't need to be this ugly. It didn't need to be with, end with the stoning of one of Rehoboam's men. We can say that Rehoboam's reign had begun in a disaster. It's pretty much what we can say. I think that pretty much describes it. Here he is, the brand new king, all the pomp, all the circumstance, and within days he loses 85% of the kingdom. However, we find, we, we find that he walked in the days, in the ways of Solomon for three years. He continued to serve the Lord. He continued to go through the motions of serving the Lord, going to the temple, worshiping the Lord. Meanwhile, the northern kingdoms were not. Jeroboam had led them in the worship of the golden calves and said, we don't want Israel going down and worshiping in the temple like God's word because they may go back and then I won't have a kingdom anymore. So that's a whole other sermon over there. We can't go into that. But for a while, Rehoboam kept on serving the Lord. But Events at the tabernacle kept, or the temple now kept going on. The worship kept going on. Israel as a whole was still serving God. And what began to happen? The priests from the ten northern tribes, they didn't have a job anymore because of Jeroboam's sin. So they began to pour out of the ten northern tribes and come into Judah. And people who wanted to serve the Lord and didn't want to participate in the idolatry that was going on in the other kingdom... They begin to come into Rehoboam's kingdom. And he began to see his kingdom grow again. And he began to see, he began to strengthen himself and have his cities fortified. And things were starting to go on a little bit more of an even keel. And he began to get a little more of his we must confidence back, we might say. After three years of king, okay, I kind of got a handle on this. I can begin to make my own decisions now. And in verse number, chapter number 12, verse number 1, says, and it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. This is one of the first times we find it. It was all through the book of Judges. But how many times have we stopped serving the Lord? We've been trying. We go, we're doing what God's word tells us. We're going up to a point and then we stop and we fall back a little bit. And there's things that we know we should be doing that we're not. That's what Rehoboam did here. He began to stop serving the Lord. He began to stop being faithful to participate in the worship at the temple. He began to stop doing what God's Word told him to do. He began to seek after his own desires. The Bible says that he desired many wives. He was trying to make himself great like his father Solomon had been. And as he rejected the Word, as he forsook the law of God and began to walk in his own direction, two years later the king of Egypt comes up and begins to attack all the cities leading up to Jerusalem that Rehoboam had fortified. This was something new in the life of Rehoboam. He was only 41 years old and for 70 years, Israel had seen nothing but victory in the military realm. Under David, they had seen victory after victory after victory. Under Solomon, they had seen mostly peace. And now Rehoboam, as the new king of Israel is seeing enemy forces invading his land. And he's not sure what to do. And then Jerusalem itself is under attack. 
And everybody's coming to him. King, what are we supposed to do? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. We are the people of God. We're supposed to have peace. We're supposed to have victory. And we can't stop them. In fact, the very city that the Lord has set his name in is under attack. And so, as he sees his kingdom crumbling, he turns to God. The Bible says in verse number verse number 5, Then came Shemaiah the prophet to Rehoboam and to the princes of Judah that were gathered together to Jerusalem because of Shishak that was the king of Israel and said unto them, Thus saith the Lord, ye have forsaken me, and therefore have I also left you in the hand of Shishak. Whereupon the princes of Israel and the king humbled themselves, and they said, The Lord is righteous. And when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaiah, saying, They have humbled themselves. Therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them some deliverance, and my wrath shall not be poured out upon Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they shall be his servants, that they may know my service and the service of the kingdoms of the country." So Shishak, king of Israel, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. He took all. He carried away also the shields of gold, which Solomon had made. So Rehoboam, he's the king of Israel, and he sees this attack coming on his land because of his sin. And the prophet of God comes and says, the reason this is happening is because you've sinned. So he gets together with his leaders, with the leaders of Israel, and they humble themselves. And they begin to seek the Lord again. But there are still consequences for their sin. Here as the king of Israel, five years into his reign, Rehoboam is watching as the king of Egypt, who had made an alliance with his father, brings his armies marching into the city of Jerusalem. They go into the temple that he had seen dedicated as a little boy. And they open the treasuries and begin to remove, just cart off like any other army would, invading a land. And begin just to pillage the city of Jerusalem. And he says he took all. He went into the king's palace and took all the treasures. All the treasures that Solomon had gathered up. All the riches that had made Rehoboam so confident as the king. They go into the temple and remove all the treasures of the temple. And it says, also, the, golden, the shields of gold which Solomon had made. Solomon had made um, many shields. He made a group of shields for, his, for the special, for the um, temple guard there. Shields of gold. Now, you're not going to take a shield of gold into battle. You're not. Because somebody swings a sword at that, they're going to cut right through it. Or they could kick it and bend your shield and then your toast. Number two, it's way too heavy to carry and operate as a shield. It was a symbol of the peace and the prosperity that God had given Israel in the reign of Solomon. And Rehoboam had seen those shields many times. All growing up, he had seen them being used. And he had seen them and seen God is blessing this. This is so wonderful. And here he is as the new king. And he watches everything just be loaded on the carts and taken away to Egypt. People are looking at him, you're the king, why is this happening? I bet at this point in his reign, Rehoboam's asking himself, how did we end up here? 
How do we end up at the point, as the people of God, that we have been invaded and conquered by another nation, and I am seeing everything that has been stored up for the worship of God being taken into a pagan nation? I'm seeing all of this destroyed. How did we end up here? Rehoboam's reign had become a mockery of his father's blessed kingdom. It had become an empty shell. It was devoid of most of the people. 85% of the kingdom was gone. All the wealth that Solomon had built up was gone. But a humiliated Rehoboam doesn't want anything to change. He knows it's not going to be the same, but he doesn't want the ceremonies to stop of being, of him being a king. So the Bible says in verse number 10 of chapter 12, instead of which King Rehoboam made shields of brass and committed them to the hands of the chief of the guard that kept them in the entrance of the king's house. And when the king entered into the house of the Lord, the guard came and fetched them and brought them again into the guard chamber. So after the king of, Israel, king of Egypt had left with all the treasures, the time for the ceremonies came and there were no more shields of gold. So Rehoboam said, what can we do? He didn't have the treasures anymore to remake the shields of gold. They needed the money for other things. So he made shields of brass. From a distance, they would look the same. They were shiny. They were bright. But I don't think it soothed his conscience at all. In fact, every time he went up to the house of God, he would look and he would see those shields of brass and it would remind him that many of the blessings of God had been removed from his kingdom. That the wealth and the riches that God had brought into the kingdom had been removed. That the tribes, the entire twelve of Israel was no longer a combined powerful nation but was divided and there was constant wars in between God's people. He could no longer remember the wonderful times of God's blessing without seeing how his foolishness had destroyed everything. The people he was trying to lead could still see the shiny shields, but they were a symbol of emptiness instead of God's blessings. How did it end up like this? How did it end up just an empty shell? The throne that David had sat upon. David's grandson. With the blessings of God beginning to be removed from that kingdom. But there's many churches across the nation today that while the outside looks the same, it still has a shiny facade on the front. It is emptied of the blessings of God. People show up, they, but they have to bring a band in so they can bring some people to be excited. There's churches across the country who have to do that because the blessings of God have been removed. There's people who show up, they show up to church and they have that shiny smile on. But deep down inside, they know because of choices they've made, they begin to see the blessings of God removed from their life. I want to challenge you that the reign of Rehoboam saw the removal of the blessings of God because he did not establish his heart and kingdom to seek the Lord. Look at verse number 14. The Bible says, God said this about Rehoboam. And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. 
Rehoboam had been taught right. The entire book of Proverbs had been written to Rehoboam as a young man to teach him, hey, this is what you need to be if you're going to be a good king. If you're going to be a good man, if you're going to order your steps in the correct way, if you're going to have wisdom. The entire book of Proverbs was written for Rehoboam. He had seen his father make wrong decisions and the judgment that had come upon his father. Yet he still didn't begin his reign with the worship of God. He began to make choices based on what appealed to him and expected God to bless him anyways. He expected the blessings of God just to come. And then he ended up seeing his kingdom be removed from the the blessings of God being removed from his kingdom. Now, I am not saying here tonight that any everyone here, that Open Door Bible Baptist Church, is having the blessings of God removed from their life, from this church. I am not saying that at all. In fact, I think we have seen the blessings of God upon this church as God has provided for us again and again. And we have seen the blessings of God in the work at Union Baptist Church in giving us this building. We've seen the blessings of God. We have seen the blessings of God in our own lives as we had made choices to obey and to serve God. We have seen the blessings of God. But this was written as a warning to the children of Israel as they were coming back and building the new temple and saying, don't make the same mistakes. It was written out as a warning. You can end up this way if you make the same choices. And he wanted them to know, to see and us today... He wants Open Door Bible Baptist Church, if we want to continue to see the blessings of God in our life, if we want to see the joy and the peace in the reality deep down inside that God wants to have on us, if we want to see the riches of God abundant in our lives, we must actively seek God in His agenda. We must actively seek God in His agenda. As a church... We need to continue to constantly move forward in what God has for us. We never need to become complacent where we're saying, God has blessed us in the past. He's going to bless us in the future. I wish working out was that way. Where I could work out for one week and it'd be good for the rest of my life. But that is not the way it works out. And I can promise you that is not the way it works out in the Christian life as we serve God. It isn't we serve God today and we have God's blessings for forever. That's what Rehoboam expected. Because he was the son of David, he expected the blessings of God on his life. And so he didn't take the time to establish, to prepare his heart and his people to serve the Lord. And his kingdom ended up empty of the blessings of God that it once had been filled with. That all the world was coming to see the wisdom of his father Solomon. And he watched as the wealth and everything Solomon had accumulated was being carted out of the city by a heathen enemy. I believe God wants to see Open Door Bible Baptist Church move forward. I believe God wants to see the blessings of God evident in each one of the lives that is here. And we want to, I don't think, God wants to see the blessings more than we want to. And I believe the reason why we are here tonight is we want to see God work in our lives and see the blessings of God and see God's name glorified and we can see people come to God and be saved and we can see God work in lives. We want to see that. But we can't just expect that to happen because we're Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We can't just expect God's blessings to keep coming. 
The reign of Rehoboam saw the removal of the blessings of God because he did not set time to prepare his heart and establish his kingdom to seek God. To keep seeking after God. To do the things of God. That wasn't his focus. His focus was to be the king. To have everything he wanted. If we're going to serve God today, if we're going to see God continue to use Open Door Bible Baptist Church, if, you're going to, if I am going to see God continue to use, hopefully continue to use the life of Andrew Montoro, it's going to be only through me stopping and taking the time to establish my heart to seek God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Rehoboam wanted to be a great king. I'm sure he did. He wanted to have all the glory that his father Solomon had had. But he didn't take the time to seek God first. And it ended up with him walking up to the temple of God past those shiny brass shields. Every time he walked past it, sure, it looked the same from the distance, but it was empty. He didn't have what he really wanted. And I'm sure he would ask himself, how did I end up here? And God would tell him. God recorded it forever in Scripture. He did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. God wants to see Open Door move forward. God wants to see you move forward as a Christian. Whether you're a new believer or you've been saved for years. God wants to see you continue to move forward. God wants to bless your life and use you to bring others to Him and glory to His name. But to see the blessings of God, we must actively seek God in His agenda, not our own. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank You for the opportunity that we have to read Your Word and how You recorded it in Scripture. I just pray that You would speak to hearts tonight, You speak to my own heart, and that we could actively seek You each and every day so that You truly could bless the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and each one here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.